Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday we were talking about our visit to the Kirtland Temple. Eric, myself, and a friend of ours, Trevor Wolf, spent two weeks visiting historical sites pertinent to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And on one of those days, we visited the Kirtland Temple. And as I mentioned previously, the Kirtland Temple is not owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is currently owned by the Community of Christ. The Community of Christ used to be known as the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We had a, a very nice young man, a guy by the name of Braden, our tour guide, who was not a member of the Community of Christ. He was not even LDS. He claimed that he was non-denominational, even though he was attending a college that is owned by the Community of Christ. That really confused me. I wondered, why is he doing this if he's not a member? I guess he was just trying to earn some money during the summer. I don't know. He was very knowledgeable on a lot of things, some things he was not familiar with. But in yesterday's show, I was relating how he had told the story about the four mummies that Joseph Smith, and I should really say it was members of his church, had purchased from a man by the name of Michael Chandler in July of 1835. And Braden told the story how these mummies at one time were on the third floor of the Kirtland Temple. And he mentioned how that they would have meals up there. I don't know how often they did this, but they would have these meals in front of these decaying bodies, which I just thought was pretty gross. But anyway, this was the story that he told. But apparently there is some information to support the story that these mummies were located on the third floor of the Kirtland Temple for a period of time. Let me uh, read from The Religious Educator, Volume 2, Number 1. This is, comes from 2001. This comes from BYU, the Religious Studies Center. This article actually follows the mummies. Uh, this is called From Kirtland, Ohio to Far West Missouri, Following the Trail of the Mormon Mummies. And it was written by Ray L. Huntington and Keith J. Wilson. They cite Joseph Smith, and this is what Joseph Smith said, Elder Coe, uh, this is Joseph Coe, called to make some arrangements about the Egyptian mummies and records. He proposes to hire a room at John Johnson's Inn and exhibit them there from day to day at certain hours that some benefit may be derived from them. I complied with his request and only observed that they must be managed with prudence and care, especially the manuscripts. Now, we should mention the John Johnson Inn was located down the hill from the Kirtland Temple. It was near the Newell K. Whitney store, which is where we're going to visit next. But I'm just trying to give you some geographic location as to where the John Johnson Inn was in comparison to the Kirtland Temple. And it may be helpful to know that this is the same John Johnson that owned the home in Hiram, Ohio, south of Kirtland, Ohio, where, as we mentioned earlier, where Joseph Smith was tarred and feathered. The authors of the article then say this, Joseph Coe had earlier contributed 800 of the $2,400 needed to purchase the mummies and papyri from Michael Chandler in July of 1835. 
It was probably Coe's intention to exhibit the antiquities at Johnson's Inn so he could recover some of the $800 he had loaned for the purchase of the mummies and papyri. The fact that the mummies were exhibited at an inn, a rest stop for travelers and strangers, clearly prompted the prophet to counsel Coe to manage the mummies and papyri with prudence and care. Little, if any, information is known about Coe's venture to exhibit the mummies at John Johnson's Inn. How long the mummies remained in Joseph Coe's possession remains a mystery. What is known, however, is that both the mummies and the papyri were moved to the upper floor of the Kirtland Temple sometime prior to or following its dedication on March 26, 1836. So the story that Braden was telling us does have some historical validity to it. They really did have the mummies in that upper floor. Now, as far as having dinner in front of them, we couldn't find any evidence to support that, but there's probably something that Braden has read that would at least convince him that that was a possibility. I don't know why they're eating a meal on the top floor of the Kirtland Temple. That seems like it would be a big bother to bring food up there, going up all those stairs and such, but who knows, maybe that really did happen. As we started going down the floors, we went to the second floor, and then we went to the first floor. That was the last stop in the Kirtland Temple. And as Braden was talking to us, he opened up for questions, and I asked Braden, is this the level in the temple where the fight broke out? A lot of people probably are not aware, but there was a fight, a riot, as it has been described by some, that took place on the lower floor, because Braden did confirm that we were in the room where this took place. And it had to do with some disagreements that some people in the church had with Joseph Smith, even though Joseph Smith was not there at the time. His father was there at the time, but there were certain people who had a very strong disagreement. And this is around the time of the failure of the Kirtland Bank, the anti-bank as it was known. A lot of people lost money, and Joseph Smith looked very bad because he had this bank. It was unchartered. That was a controversy in and of itself. A lawsuit was presented against Joseph Smith. He ends up losing that lawsuit, but there's still a lot of controversy over should he have lost the lawsuit. It was, it's a very confusing time, but still, there were a lot of harsh feelings going on among some people in the church and some who had been kicked out of the church. And what happens is this disagreement takes place on the bottom floor of the Kirtland Temple. Now, Eliza Roxy Snow, who would eventually become a plural wife of Joseph Smith, talks about this riot or this skirmish or this fight on the lower floor of the Kirtland Temple. And this is what she writes. And this is uh, recorded in the article that I cited earlier. Soon after the usual opening services, one of the brethren on the west stand arose, and just after he commenced to speak, one on the east interrupted him. Father Smith, and that's referring to Joseph Smith Sr., Joseph Smith's dad, presiding called for order. He told the apostate brother that he should have all the time he wanted, but he must wait his turn. As the brother on the west took the floor and commenced first to speak, he must not be interrupted. A fearful scene ensued, the apostate speaker becoming so clamorous that Father Smith called for the police to take that man out of the house when Parrish, John Boynton, and others drew their pistols and bowie knives and rushed down from the stand into the congregation. John Boynton saying he would blow out the brains of the first man who dared to lay hands on him. 
Many in the congregation, especially women and children, were terribly frightened. Some tried to escape from the confusion by jumping out of the windows. Amid screams and shrieks, the policeman, in ejecting the belligerents, knocked down a stovepipe which fell helter-skelter among the people. But although Bowie knives and pistols were wrested from their owners and thrown hither and thither to prevent disastrous results, no one was hurt, and after a short but terrible scene to be enacted in a temple of God, order was restored, and the services of the day proceeded as usual. We would not have even had that story confirmed by Braden had I not brought it up. In fact, Braden said that he had only recently heard about that story, the fight on that level of the temple. It would be one of those things that I'm sure most people visiting the Kirtland Temple are never going to hear. See, these are things that are not said. Now, you can understand probably why something like this would not be mentioned. You would have to go into quite a few details to bring that story up to speed so that someone would even understand what you're talking about. But naturally, this would not make the saints look very good. Having a fight and you're having weapons drawn in this temple, which is supposed to be a holy place to Latter-day Saints. And John Boynton, I love this, he, he would blow out the brains of the first man who dared to lay hands on him. Was he serious? Possibly. I mean, there's a lot of heat going on here. Now, John Farnham Boynton was ordained an apostle in Joseph Smith's church on February 15, 1835. However, he was disfellowshipped on September 3, 1837, and eventually excommunicated that same year. As far as I know, he never joined the church again. So you have these disagreements going on, and really, uh, I think a lot of the pressure that is building during this time period, you could say lays at the feet of Joseph Smith himself. He made a lot of serious mistakes, first of all, in trying to start this anti-banking society, as it was known, without a charter. And he did it at a very bad time in American history. The country was going through a recession, and that's a bad time to start any type of a bank. And when people are investing their money in this and they're trusting you as a prophet of God— and then they end up losing their money, you can imagine what they're probably thinking. Now, first of all, they were probably wondering, why is a prophet who is supposed to be dealing with religious issues dealing with secular issues, a bank? Well, Joseph Smith looks at his calling as being, I guess you could say, all-encompassing. In fact, you had Ezra Taft Benson, when he was alive, he was the 13th president of the church, he felt that the prophet could be involved in just about anything, and he would be knowledgeable in all those subjects because God would give him the necessary information to whatever subject he would happen to be talking about. That's why Ezra Taft Benson felt that you really weren't supposed to question the prophet. The prophet speaks for the church. You don't speak for the prophet. Your priesthood authority does not compare to what the prophet has as far as authority for the entire church. So you could say that Joseph Smith was at fault for some of the pressure that was building up at this time because of some of the bad decisions that Joseph Smith made. And I, I have to put myself in that situation. If I had followed Joseph Smith's advice and I had invested my hard-earned money into this anti-bank, as it was known, and then I ended up losing that money, 
Here you were following a prophet who you believe is going to guide you correctly, and he guides you incorrectly, and it's going to cause you to suffer. How would you view Joseph Smith after that? This was around 1837. Then 1838, there's only about 100 people left in Kirtland, Ohio. Many of them had either left the church, had apostatized, or many of them had left and had gone west, where Joseph Smith was setting up a new place for his headquarters. He was going to abandon Kirtland, Ohio. He was going to abandon the temple. It makes you wonder, Eric, what would have happened if Joseph Smith was there at the time this quote-unquote riot took place? Yeah, especially since they're taking it out on the dad. Joseph Smith is in Toronto visiting brethren there, and when he comes back, Joseph Smith is not happy about this, and there's going to be heads that roll, but he might not have been able to have stopped violence against him because they had guns and knives. Joseph Smith's father, of course, was the patriarch of the church at that time. So you can imagine if Joseph Smith was there, how they probably could have taken out their frustrations on him personally. And when you've got weapons involved, that can make for a very bad, bad situation. Next week, we're going to continue reminiscing about our trip that we took to some of these historical sites. And on Monday, we're still in Kirtland, Ohio, but now we're going to move from the top of the hill where the Kirtland Temple is located, and we're going to move down the hill towards a place that's known for the Newell K. Whitney store. So we hope that you'll be sure to tune in on Monday of next week. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.